You're listening to the Brown Sign Project podcast. Do you spend hours creating your rotors and then spend days constantly adjusting them? We have the solution. At Staff Savvy, we specialise in shift schedules and timesheet solutions for visitor attractions. Easily manage multiple complex teams of permanent, casual, freelance and volunteer staff across different locations and disciplines. With fast communication features, automatic compliance tools, training management and simple timesheet tools, Staff Savvy has been used and trusted by organisations such as V&A Dundee, the Southbank Centre and the Royal Albert Hall, with great cost-saving benefits. Visit us at staffsavvy.com forward slash brown sign project to learn more and schedule a demo of our magic rotor button. Welcome to the Brown Sign Project, the podcast that talks to some of the most enthusiastic and knowledgeable voices in the tourism and attractions industry. I'm Carly Strawn. And I'm Carlton Gadgetar. In this episode, we bring an exciting conversation with Jennifer Kennedy, the founder of JK Consulting, which is a retail consultancy company that specialises in tourism and heritage. As you're going to hear, Jennifer's enthusiasm and love for what she does is captivating. We'll discover how an epiphany in the joy of aesthetics guided her early career and how she's developed her skills since then by moving into tourism retail. Jennifer's going to guide us through how she left a paycheck behind to develop her own successful consultancy business. Of course, we need to give a massive thanks to our season sponsors, Staff Savvy and Retail Integration. And now, let's have a chat with Jennifer. So hi everyone, welcome to the Brown Sign Project, it's Carly and we have Carlton with us too, he's just running a little late, um, you know we're all guilty of that in the tourism industry I think, so he's going to join us um, shortly but I do have with me Jennifer Kennedy who is the founder of JK Consulting which is a retail consultancy that specialises in tourism and heritage. Um, Jennifer, hi. Hello, how are you? I'm how very you? Very good. Um, I hear the weather is glorious actually in Ireland today. Fabulous. And at last, we waited all year and it's here and it's amazing. And it's a great reason to come and visit Ireland now that the sun is shining. <laughs> yeah, I hear, I, I've spoken to, weirdly, had a, a strange day of speaking to actually lots of Irish people on Zoom today. Every <laughs> single one of them has told me how great the weather is. <laughs> well, that's, we, you know, we spend most of our lives talking about the weather here, whether it's good or bad. So that wouldn't be unusual. <laughs> Excellent. Um, so if you wouldn't mind telling us a little bit about yourself and what your role is today, um, and then we're going to have a little chat about what you've done to get yourself here. Okay, great. Um, so yes, my name is Jennifer Kennedy and my business is JK Consulting, um, which I established in 2016. Um, and what I do is I work across mainly visitor attractions uh, on the island of Ireland um, and support them in developing their uh, retail experience, their retail offering. Um, and I suppose over the years as well, it's evolved into its broader experience development across revenue streams. Um, so I suppose that's what I do day to day in my current role. Excellent. And I mean, you've worked with some really big names like Guinness Storehouse, Game of Thrones Tour, which I'm sure some people listening will be very, very jealous of and uh, Calmo Abbey um, and so on. So it sounds yeah. like... I'm very lucky. I have got to work with um, really great brands and experiences to date. Um, I'm, prior to setting up my own business, I was actually 
worked with Guinness Storehouse for 12 years. So uh, that, that I left Guinness Storehouse to set up my own business uh, in 2016. So that would be where I spent uh, a lot of my time and learnings in the tourism industry. Brilliant. Um, so to, to take us back to that. So where did what, I start? So, yeah, yeah, where did you start? So what did you, what, what were you like at school? So did you have any like top subjects or yeah. anything you're interested in? That you I had a few. I had a few top subjects and I had a few really, really not top subjects. Um, mainly the things I loved when I was in school were English. I loved art with a passion. Um, and they were probably the top two of, of anything to do in school. Everything else was, you know, fine, but not passionate about them. Big, um, big win for the anti-maths crowd, which is definitely... Yeah, no, definitely maths, no. I, I had to run screaming. But it's interesting, as life went on and career changed, I'm actually a very commercial person nowadays. So it's quite interesting how it wasn't featured in my life at that stage. But as time progressed, uh, it did. It does actually play a major role in uh, my, what I do now. Excellent. And where did you, what did you do after school? Did you go so after school? I was a bit lost, I think. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. But I started off going to, I went to art and design college to study um, stage sets and creating, like trying to, I was very creative, very arty. Um, so I went and started that and I did that for about a year. And then I kind of didn't know what to do after that start. I was kind of at that stage thinking, what do I do next? And then I had the opportunity to take a year break before I went on to proceed to the next stage of that. And at that time, I took a part-time job in Next uh, in Dublin. And, as you know, just like a weekend, like a weekend summary job type of thing. And um, I had no idea of anything to do with retail, really, at this point. This was, a, this was a bit of an enigma to me, walking into this environment. And it was coming up to Christmas time because I, I took my year from September to September. So it's maybe October time. November when I went in and started working next, thinking this is sure. Let's see what happens for you know a break for a year and do something different. And um, I was in the kids department, um, and I was fascinated by one this all these beautiful products and the color ranges. And one day, one of the managers came over to me and she sh- she brought she produced this amazing book with all these products and color palettes. And um, like I was just going, oh my god, this is amazing. And then it was like. So, so what's going to happen next, she was already explained to me, is this is the product range that's going to come through now in the next six weeks into this store. And we're going to follow this story, this visual story of how to put together these products in this space for people to come in and buy. And I just was like, wow, that's amazing. I, I just had no idea that this happened or this was even a thing. So I just completely was like, I I like literally, I think the day the book was put in front of my nose, I was in love. I was like, I love this. And then when the product started coming in, I was like, can I help? Can I do this? Because like, I have, you know, I had a good eye. I was arty and creative anyway. But then the icing on the cake was watching people buy and see the conversion into money coming into a till. And then it was even, oh my God, this is like a full circle of like things being created brought to life, sold, and you're making, it's a business. So for me, that was just, I was like groundbreaking. I was like, I'm in love. I love this. And I I, I got really giddy with it over, and I spent a few years with Next. I, I never went, I never went back to college. That was it. I was smitten. And I did go on the management course for Next. And I started to just, went from one department to another. And I kind of created a strategy for myself in my 20s where I kind of had found my thing. 
So I never thought in a million years, I didn't even know what it was properly. Um, and I was going to give myself a couple of years in a couple of big companies and see what could I learn, go in like a sponge, move through the ranks. I was definitely motivated by uh, learning and understanding all aspects of this retail side of a business, or any sort of retail business. And I was motivated by money. I thought I wanted to kind of make more money and get as good as I could, as quick as I could, and pop around. So that's really what I did. Yeah. For, for most of my 20s, was I gave myself two years in, out, and I worked with Next, Habitat, Springs of Scotland, Brown Thomas. So I really went for it, like gusto. And there probably wasn't a role in any of them that I didn't throw myself into or take on board, or if ever there was like, there's an opportunity, I was like, I'll do it. And if there was something else that was new, oh, this is a new thing we're going to start, I'll do it. So I was just like this crazy person, constantly absorbing, 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 like a sponge. And then um, I was in Brand Thomas for a little while. Not that, but it was probably my shortest stint in retail. And I was ready to move into something else. And I went and interviewed for a job in the Guinness Storehead. And at the time, I remember thinking, oh, this is different for me. Like, it's very unusual. But they were looking for someone to uh, be a store manager in their retail uh, offering at that time in the Guinness Storehead. And that was in 2004. And um, I remember actually on the day of the interview, my nana was alive at the time and she was kind of going, now, you know, go on, get yourself up and get yourself ready. And Guinness is a great brand. That'd be wonderful. And I was like, yeah, but I mean, it's so different. It's totally all left field from anything I've been doing, which has been working in high street retail and premium brand retails. And I remember we're going in, having this interview with this lovely lady. I remember the buzz of the interview, like, the, quest, the way she interviewed me, I'd never been interviewed like it before. And it was like later on, I found out, because I spent many years there, was a you know, competency-based interview where basically you're asked all the way through the interview to give examples of whatever, everything and anything. And I was just in seventh heaven because I had so much to tell her. So yeah. like, can you give me an example of, and I was like, yeah. And then I was like, off oh, this and off that. And I just came out going, oh, high is the kite. And I remember ringing my, my nana going, amazing I just absolutely love this and uh, then literally the same evening actually I got the phone call to say that I had uh, gotten a job and I went in and I just spent 12 years there then and had the most amazing experience um, I really fell in love with tourism which prior to that I had never really been involved in any, any shape or form um, oh, so be- before before you move on to what you do today because yeah. I've got I think this is a pretty, not maybe not a common route, but I think a route that people forget about mm-hmm. is that when you, you get into tourism is that it has lots of other sort of industries within it. So, you yeah. know, most tourist attractions would have an element of retail or an element of catering. or an, So if you've worked in a Starbucks or a McDonald's, mm-hmm. you can transfer those skills into a, a role in a cafe or a restaurant within an attraction and you say like you did taking your high street experience and I think yeah. sometimes there's really you know the high street is very different to tourism retail very Not great transferable skills and I, and I did the same actually I worked for Monsoon Accessorize right, before yeah. I moved into my first job and got a job in a shop because yeah. of my experience and I think what a great set of transferable skills to have well, that's the thing. And I suppose the, the common denominator is people. Because throughout my experience, anyway, in, in the industries that I've been in, it's always, 
people are always central to this in every make, shape or form, whether you're managing a team, working alongside team, collaborating with a team. So those skills um, coming from different industries, if you have them in your world, are so powerful to move into tourism because I don't know if you can be in tourism if you're not interested in people. Um, I think it's fundamentally required, I would say. Um, but it's also probably one of the funnest industries to be in, in my experience anyway. And, and I've always found it, uh, I've always found people within tourism to be really full of energy and enthusiasm and um, kind of can-do attitudes, which I think is actually a really lovely place to be and to work and be surrounded by those types of people who who are that way inclined naturally. Yeah, I think that's a, a really um, interesting point. And we we talk about this quite a lot of, of you can teach skill, but you can't teach the love of people. You can't teach something that is very personality based. And I think, you know, you can get better at it. But if you fundamentally don't like people, you're going to struggle a little bit. Yeah, I think so. In most tourism roles, right? I I think so. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just goes. That's the nature of the beast. Um, Everything about it is experience, making people happy, being a part of their experience while they're with you. So you know, yeah, I I think it's an you need to naturally like being around a lot of people. So you obviously finished. Guinness Storehouse or you you were there for a very long time um, and then had a a very big change because you moved into consulting and and having your own business and that is a really big kind of strikeout on your own do you want to just explain to us like a little bit about what that was like or what drove you to that decision um well I suppose first thing probably to say is that I was probably always uh entrepreneurial minded and spirited um, and even with any of the roles I had or organizations I worked within, I was always pushing to to kind of do something different or try and new things. Um, so it was naturally something I was always inclined towards. I, I think I probably always had in my head someday I'd love to run my own business, but I had absolutely no clue whatsoever what that would look like. Um, and actually, even you know, I, I I had I had twelve great years in Guinness Storehouse where I really got to play a, a pivotal role in the development of the retail specifically offer of the Guinness Storehouse. Um, and I you know part of that journey was taking down walls, um, you know, raising the roof, bringing in chandeliers, develop, looking at product about it was you know there's so many crazy things. And I was part of the leadership team of of a huge brand um, and experience. I was just learning so much all of the time. And I just, I suppose, at that time came to a point where I thought, you know, yeah, I've done this. I've done so many things. I've learned so much. And I saw a little bit of a niche and a little bit of a gap in the market in terms of the overall experience destination that I would have frequented or known about on the island of Ireland. Um, where there was good football numbers, there was, you know, good businesses, good eight brands. Um, but at the time, I felt that the retail offering for a lot of those brands and experiences didn't match up to the brand or the actual offering as a brand experience that was being presented. Um, and I suppose I had learned over a long time working with a, with a big brand in that field how I could help that and develop that further. And I kind of just wanted to do what I'd done with Storehouse in lots of other destinations and locations. So it was very niche and it was 
absolutely terrified. Um, and I totally jumped off the cliff without a parachute and said, let's hope for the best here. And I planned it for a, a little period of time. I probably spent six to nine months mulling it over, trying to figure out what this is going to look like. I, I you know, I made sure I, I had no debt. I had some savings in the bank. I was giving myself that kind of window of six months to 12 months, just See what happens. Worst case scenario, are you going to be okay in 12 months if you never have a client and don't make any money? Would you be able to pay your bills and survive? And once I had that bedded down, I was like, I'm doing this. I'm, and I did it. Um, and thankfully, it worked out well. And within the first, I remember, I remember getting my last paycheck going, oh my God, I might not get another paycheck. Like, I don't know when I'm going to get paid again. So I remember just thinking, oh my God, this is such a big thing, but also feck it, let's just do it and see what happens. Um, and sure enough, and my, so four weeks out, which is a month, so I left, I had my first and I had my first client within a, a, a week or two. And I had my first kind of money coming in for my first invoice after about four weeks. So I actually never had a month where I didn't have a, something, whatever wow. it was. So that is so cool. Really, it really kind of built from there over six, seven years now. Um, and it really just built from there. And, and I suppose, luckily, all of my clients, actually, I think every one of them I've worked with over the years, everyone has come to me through referrals, which is brilliant because I wouldn't be great at marketing myself, if I'm honest. It's not my area. <laughs> it's not something I'm that great at. So I've been lucky that, thankfully, I've worked with, and, and I work with amazing clients who have graciously also told other people about me along the way <laughs> yeah I think I, I think that worries a lot of people is that you know when you think about becoming self-employed you do have that thing of you know you suddenly have to be your fa- your own finance person your yeah. own HR person your own marketer you know you've got to build your own website and yeah, yeah. I think you know if you can bring in those skills along the way to help you brilliant but I think actually for most people yeah. Just you learn as you go and sometimes you get it right sometimes you get it wrong yeah. and sometimes you don't need it as much as you maybe think you do I think that's yeah. it I mean the one thing I thought I I, I did uh, and I kind of just took the chance at the time was I, I had a bookkeeper from the minute I started so for me it was that was the bit I, I didn't have the bandwidth or thought process to be worried about in terms of you know paying your tax and your VAT and all of that side of, of of setting up a business you're on. And I was like, I don't have time right now to figure out how to do that stuff. So I'm not going to waste it there. I'm going to just hire somebody. And it wasn't like it was a big outgo- output. It was maybe somebody you need four to six hours a month, maybe, just to keep on top of all of that side of a new business. Um, so that, because other people I've kind of helped loads the years who have all said, so when they went out and said, the first thing I say to everyone is, are you naturally good or inclined towards, you know, keeping up to date with your batch, your taxes, your under? It's like, no. I said, okay. So before you do anything, get yourself a bookkeeper quick. Uh, make Take that out of your way and don't even think about it because if you pay, spend nothing but just that bit of money on having somebody watching that stuff for you, pretty much everything else you can figure out along the way. Or you can find someone who will help you or tell you what to do when you're stuck. Um, but yeah, I sleep easy. I slept easier from day one, knowing someone else was dealing with that stuff. 
Absolutely. I think it, I think what you're kind of saying is like you just need to go out and just do it. Just the confidence yeah. of yeah. just like, you know what? I can do this. I've got yeah. my money saved. You know, if anything goes wrong, it's all right. I've got this yeah. kind of blank safety blanket yeah. um, on there. But it's just really nice for the listeners to understand that. It's like if you've got this goal or vision, just yeah. do it. You know, yeah. it's okay. And I think as well, I think sometimes people overthink things to the point where you can nearly talk, you can talk yourself out of anything if you try hard enough. I, I, I always go, I always work back for worst case scenario, pretty much with everything. And then my worst case scenario was this doesn't work. I gave it a shot and I have to go and get a job. So, you know, we'll survive. That's not, that's, I'm not going to sink any ships. So let's see what, where it takes you. Introducing Meridian Experience from Retail Integration, the leading multi-channel ticketing, retail and membership system for visitor attractions. Working with visitor attractions for over 25 years, Retail Integration have developed the ultimate solution that enables some of Ireland's leading visitor attractions manage every aspect of their business, from ticketing and admissions to merchandising, food and loyalty programs in one single system. Customer experience is at the heart of what we do. Contact us today and let retail integration help you to exceed visitor expectations. We listen, we develop, we deliver. I want to ask you a question regarding um, what is your your favourite aspect of your job? What do you love doing? What gets you up in the morning? What gets me up in the morning is the variety of what I do. I, I am so lucky that I never have a boring day. Every day is different and I'm constantly working on other people's products, whether that's the physical space and, you know, working on a business that, um, you know, needs to do a full refurbishment or needs a designer coming in to tear it apart and start all over again, or whether it's product development of bespoke products that people are going to buy and take away with them as part of your experience, um, or is it the flow and movement of people through your space and what the experience feels like for the consumer. So, like, there's so, so many things going on all the time on any given day with me that that's what gets it's the it's excitement. I'm always excited. I'm always giddy. And every brand I work with is at a different stage. It's looking at something slightly different. So there's no one size fits all, which I adore. So you have to always think. You've constantly got to keep your head thinking and challenging well, you're a different brand, so what do we do with you that's special that no one else can do? And I think that's really interesting that everybody has to tailor to what they're why why I you know I always say clients mine why do people come to you why why are they why do they want to book a ticket to come here um, and then follow that thread through every element of your experience and what that delivers to the consumer because that's where the magic happens is when you look at it through the eyes of the consumer. And go well. I'm a tourist. I'm on the island of Ireland. I'm going to this county. So what's why do they want to pick you over all the other amazing things they could do here? So I mean, that's what gets me out of bed every day. You said something really interesting there, actually, which I just want to tie back to to what you said about you know your first job at Next and someone presenting you with this book of you know yeah. a grand Bible, if you like, yeah. for Next is. I think a lot of people and I all the best stuff in attractions, right? It's sort of invisible. Is yeah. that nobody 
should realize that somewhere there is this brand bible yeah you should know when you walk into a next that all of the nexts have this standardization and i really like that idea that like you said that why well why do people come to next or to wherever it might be or to the house or what is that they don't come for generic stuff they don't come for the things that everyone else can sell them they come for this hidden brand which you might not even recognize yeah it's i kind of i kind of i call it like the magic dust it's like and it's emotion you know everything about attraction from my perspective and experience is grounded in emotion how do you make people feel and that's where the magic kind of happens i think and it's all consuming from every aspect and it's relentless i love that it's relentless I love that you're never done. It's never over. You've never perfected it. You're never going to be happy with, we now have a million visitors. Right. Now, how do we get 1.1 million? Great. Well, we have that now. So how do we get 1.4? Like, I love that you're, it's never over. You're never done. And you can always, the drive and stamina and that relentlessness to push all the time. I I thrive on. I love that. I find that exhilarating. When, when we talk to people, sort of, the industries are quite similar, but there's some really distinctive differences about, you know, event kind of mm-hmm. management, because that is something, you know, that kind of falls under tourism industry, at, you yeah, know, yeah. events and sports and, and so on. And, you know, we talk about leisure time, but I always say to people, it's, it's different. When you work in an event, you have this big build up, you have the event, and then you're sort of done and you can agree yeah. there yeah, yeah. and you can have a review and you can do it different next time every yeah. day is like that in an attraction yeah because you don't get the chance sometimes to have a breather and decide what to do next because you're doing yeah. it. <laughs> and I think that's that's what's brilliant about it I think it's such an energizing industry to be in because you won't succeed if you don't behave in that way in those in, in your attraction it has to be that way for you to stay at the top of your game or to compete with the next product that's coming to market. Um, and and, and I, I think that's exactly as it should be. You know, it should be that way. You should, it should be that very dynamic, high energy, fast paced, high movement, fun, so much fun um, environment. And so many happy people. I remember when I left retail to go into tourism, I could not get over how happy people were when they came in to do a destination experience because in high street retail that was not what i experienced on a day-to-day basis so that was a revelation it's like everyone's so happy and even if they have a problem it's not a big problem it's like a baby problem that you can totally fix like so easy and we just i've always loved that about tourism that you know you know people are notorious they can be tricky or, you know, they have returns or they've damaged goods or there's a problem with this or there's a problem with that. Loads of industries. Can you imagine, you know, working in a bank, how many people come in with lots of great news? And, you know, so many different things. But in tourism, you know, I think you have to work hard to make people unhappy coming into your destination. So I, I agree with you. Why would you even do that? <laughs> Absolutely agree with you. I think it's, it's all about emotions, as you mentioned. You yeah. know, people don't forget how you make them feel. And that is how you get that return visitor. Because if you make them feel amazing, they're going to come back with their friends and family. 
and they're going to do the same thing. So yeah. it's really, really important. But it's, um, it's that word amount referral piece, you know, because again, you know, some attractions have loads of money and can have spent a fortune on marketing and, and all that stuff. But just lots of attractions don't have huge budgets for, for marketing and stuff like that. So the word of mouth piece, when people walk away, and, you know, we all walk away and tell, want to tell people about what we've done, um, where we've been, where are you recommendations, where you need to go. Uh, and it's such a powerful and cost-effective tool to make people want to come back to a destination or an attraction because there isn't, there isn't normally a repeat visitor for the same person, but there's a referral piece there that drives other people to you because someone else has had an amazing experience with you. Absolutely. Oh, oh my gosh, I could talk for hours on this topic. Yes. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yes. We're going to have to stop. I'm so sorry because we've got some time. <laughs> it's a time limit now. I, I mean, luckily, we do have a podcast specifically to talk about this stuff. So we've got that. But yeah. <laughs> but yeah i'm I'm gonna go on to our next question um and that's it's kind of like a crystal ball question and mm-hmm. i just want to find out in your opinion mm-hmm. how do you think your job is going to evolve in the next five to ten years um especially kind of technology wise and at the advancements that's what's happening what what do you think that's going to look like yeah it's a great question and i think the crystal ball in me instinctively is saying as far as my perspective on attractions is it's always about the live experience in the moment on the day. And I don't see that element of it changing so much, but I do see the expectation of what that delivers having to go up. And that might be a bit more blended approach using digital or, you know, there's lots more um, be your, you know, virtual reality elements coming into attractions and things like that. So, I think it's going to probably become a bit more blended with with digital uh, over the next few years. I think that's just a given. It's it's inevitable, but it needs to be really good. And I think it needs. I think they'll all start to compete with each other on a more blended offering, as opposed to just a traditional tour. The tour now has to have other enhancements added into the experience to make it really compelling and compete with each other. But I do think it will always still be about the experience the emotion in the moment on the day and the reason you chose to go to that brand in the first place so so that piece is the bit that I think will be constantly need to be refined as time goes on expectations why do people want to come to you and things are changing people want to go to the brands now for different reasons sustainability green credentials there's all of these other things that have come into the mix in recent years that will we'll start to you know tailor the decision process more and more as to why people want to visit you it's not going to be just one thing anymore i think it, there's multiple facets to an experience nowadays that will need to continue to be evolved and do you think your role has changed even since kind of 2016 to now is there new technology in the market that either sort of helps you do your job better or helps your clients do your, do their jobs better? I think people are more, um, I think more investment has gone on in the last few years in terms of systems into attractions to help them use tools to better, to perform better. Um, I, I see that a lot. And, and I think that's a good thing. And I think it's necessary because there was a lot of manual things happening in attractions that were very time consuming, very labor intensive. So again, the power of technology to utilize tools 
to free up the humans to do the human stuff and the engagement and the looking after your guests and your visitors and the hospitality side of tourism, in my opinion, is always down to the people in the business and the brand ambassadors and the people who love it and breathe it. So technology, I think, yeah, it's here and it does great stuff and it has made great advancements. But even with all my clients, it's a tool. I see it as a tool as opposed to, you know, fundamentally changing how they behave and operate. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, just to kind of take us on a on a sort of weird, slight turn, you mm-hmm. said earlier because I, I we've just talked about so much stuff. So I'm really going back to things that we talked about really early on because we just we've gone down so many rabbit holes. It's been great. Um, you talked about um like competency based interviews, and I think that's yeah. really um you're the first person I've actually heard call it out and say like this is a specific way I was interviewed and that was really interesting and, you know, actually really worked for you. Do you have any sort of tips for people getting into the industry who maybe are going to their first jobs and mm-hmm. sort of what would your, you know, your top three tips be for, for, yeah. for, for getting through those kind of, you know, basic interview questions and, and what would you take with you? I suppose it depends on the experience you have going into the interview. So if you're, if you're you know, really this is your first job, um, so you, you're going to be you're going to struggle in a competency based interview if this is your first job. Right. So that's just the way it is. However, that doesn't mean you might not be an amazing fit for this industry. So I would say your attitude and your openness to learn is probably key to everything you'll ever do in a tourism industry. So approach an interview with energy, with your can do attitude uh, with examples of maybe other things you've done in your life that might not be job specific, but maybe organizations or you've done things in university or have been part of groups and stuff like that, that show how you work with people, how you communicate, how you engage, um, you know, make eye contact, like bring your, show the personality that you have that could be an amazing asset in tourism because you can learn skills. You can be taught all the other things that you may need to know. But if you don't have the right attitude from the get-go and if you're not really open to learning, um, I think you'll struggle in tourism because you need to be open because every day is different in an attraction. Um, and you could be doing four or five different roles over the period of a 12-month cycle where you're hopping around different departments in an attraction. So, it, you know, that's the openness you need to walk in the door with going, I'm very open to working in the bar, to working in retail, to giving tours, uh, whatever, because that's, that's the nature of the beast. You need to be able to be very flexible um, and versatile, and that just doesn't save you. And that's not for everybody. So it's very important you know that about yourself as well, because sometimes that's a huge barrier. Like if you're coming into tourism thinking, I'm going into tourism and I'm going to only be a tour guide, that's highly unlikely. And if that frightens you that you might do other stuff, then I would say, be careful, maybe it's not for you. <laughs> Yeah, I think we're all um, we're all testament to rolling up your sleeves and yeah. and doing whatever the job is that you're so doing. Definitely. Yeah. Also, big smiles. Oh my god, absolutely! Make sure you're smiling when you walk in and meet the person for the first time. You are showing your lovely pearly white teeth. Yeah, yeah. To the so because important. it make it makes such a difference. Yeah. You know, um, because the thing is, 
that is a first impression for the interview, but also that will be also your first impression with the visitor as well. 100%. Absolutely. Um, and I think it, it's so important it, for the interviewee, for sure, trying to get into the industry. But then even when you're in the industry and you, you change in now different roles and from a leadership perspective, even running teams and managing teams, the leader needs to show that. That leader needs to be that embodiment of welcome, warm energy, and it radiates. And it should radiate because that's how you build your teams and your people. And I think also it helps whoever's interviewing these new recruits coming along as well. It, it, it helps shape what they're looking for in candidates coming in the door. Because you know if you have someone who comes in and can't make eye contact with you and is uncomfortable and isn't able to articulate and, you know, talk comfortably with you in an interview, that they're probably going to struggle in this environment. You know, it's, it's not an easy environment. That's not something that's you know relatively comfortable for you. You don't have to be all singing, all dancing at that point, but you know, you definitely need to have good communication skills. Absolutely, totally agree. So it's all my communication skills. I have another question for you. Um oh, no. and the question is uh, what is the biggest challenge you are facing in your current job? I'm too busy. Too busy. Too busy. many things going on. <laughs> <laughs> We well, understand that's, that. that's a lovely position to be in. To say. Um, no, I, I'm, I'm only really joking. My challenge is um, making sure I, I have enough time to do what I need to do with all the different clients I work with. So that I probably that's my biggest. That is probably my biggest challenge: making sure I can I, I don't overextend myself, and I, I'm managing it. I do manage it, but I have to work at managing it. Um, so I would say that's probably my biggest challenge. That's- really that's i think that is such a common thing either if you're self-employed because you sort of have to spread yourself thin enough to to do the job but you you know there's only one of you or people in like their first jobs especially i think when you you know we we talked earlier about saying yes to stuff and wanting to get involved but also being very conscious of you know you're no use to anybody if if you are absolutely exhausted yeah Um, yeah I think that's really, really useful. Really useful. It's all well, about the think, spinning, think, spinning plates as yeah, well. Yeah, but I think actually COVID was was a good uh, example of forcing people who are in their own businesses, whatever, to have to <laughs> really slow down, whether they liked it or not. And I think it was a really good, a very interesting learning for me. I can give you an example from my own experience. The last time I took a two week holiday was in twenty fifteen genuinely that's the last time I took two weeks off together and I started my business in 2016 thinking I'm going to organize myself really well and have loads of holidays and I'm only going to work a few days <laughs> so really when COVID kicked in I was kind of sitting in the garden one day and with my two kids going no we actually haven't had a two-week holiday for years so this year I'm going actually on Saturday I'm off for my first two-week holiday since 2015 and and and, and I have I made a conscious decision after coming back to life after COVID that yeah, it's great to be busy. It's great to have a business that, that's doing well and you're happy and you, you're you working with great people and great clients, but you do have to look after yourself because nobody else is going to do it for, for you. So you, you do have to kind of at some point, just whatever that is to you, whether that's for me, it's I have allocated myself. I'm taking two weeks off every year, no matter what, together and for the rest of my life. And that's it. Um, so whatever it looks like, it looks like different things to different people. You know, it might be that you only want to work three days a week or whatever. So 
So for me, uh, that was a good learning. Um, yeah. And actually, I didn't even notice that I hadn't done it. It was only when COVID happened I noticed. That, I think, is a learning for everybody is uh, yeah. thinking, oh, yeah, like, I'm not going to work that much. And then you suddenly get into it. And like you say, seven years have passed and you suddenly look up and think, hang on, maybe I maybe I have worked a bit. <laughs> yeah, more than I thought. Yeah, more than I initially planned on, for sure. <laughs> I think, but also it's... it's when you when you enjoy your job and you enjoy the yeah. environment it just the time just absolutely flies it disappears it really does i can't i actually can't believe it's even seven years because i love it and i absolutely live and breathe it every day and it just doesn't feel like work it's so much fun and you and you get to the people in all the different places I work with, I love I love going in. I love the, the change up. I love meeting the new whoever it is. Um, and it, it's just, it's so fun. Tourism is a really fun industry to be in. I agree. Yeah, which leads me to, uh, you You might have just answered it, but our our closing question for you today, Jennifer, and then we'll, we'll let you go off and pack for your holiday because that's yeah, absolutely. on your mind. Which is literally piles of clothes on the floor right where I'm sitting right now, all around me. <laughs> very organized and bunch of stuff excellent um and our closing question would be why why would you if you know you're talking to people who maybe haven't gone to sector or early in their careers why tourism like why should they come to us i think we i think you should come to tourism for a few a few reasons one you'll never be bored two you are surrounded by great people with great attitudes and you it, it can't but bring you on and, and it gives you a great opportunity to learn from like-minded people. In my experience, people are pretty like-minded in this industry and I love that. It's very positive. There's a lot of positive intent and uh, encouragement and support between the in across this type of this industry, which isn't always the case in other industries. And I think tourism is quite unique in that. Everybody genuinely wants everyone else to do well and to succeed. And that's a really nice uh, environment to, to be in and to want to be in. And the fun, the fun element of it, it's it's great. And and as a young person coming into an industry, you get to, I think as well, because a lot of the attractions have lots of multilingual requirements, you get to mix with all sorts of nationalities and cultural groups. And it's like a melting pot of all these different types of people and personalities. And it's just fascinating um, that you get to do that and, and, and learn and, and, and kind of work alongside all sorts of different people from all walks of life. I think it's really interesting. Yeah, definitely. Tourism is a great place to work. Um, Jennifer, thank you for bringing your energy to the podcast. It's been absolutely fantastic to kind of learn everything that you've done and sharing all your top tips. But before you leave us, we want to find out where we can find you digitally. So where can we find you if, if people want to get in contact with you? Um, well, you can find me at a website, uh, which is uh, jkconsulting.ie. You can find me on LinkedIn, and that's pretty much it. Other than that, I'm a bit of an enigma in the digital world, outside <laughs> of those two things. Um, and you might know somebody who knows me who'll tell you to give me a phone call. <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you so much for that. The best kind of marketing that you'll find. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, it's free. <laughs> 
Brilliant. Well, thank you so, so much. Honestly, it's been an absolute pleasure. So, thank you. It was great. Uh, my first podcast. So this has uh, been a great experience for me as well. Made me feel very uncomfortable for the last few weeks. Weeks, so I know this is coming. And now I'm like, okay, fix the box. I've been pushed out of my comfort zone today. Off we go on to the next thing tomorrow. <laughs> well, you did a great job. Thank you so much for the chat today and wish you all the best in your career and everything that you're okay. doing. Take care. Lovely to meet you both. Thanks, as always, for listening to The Brand Sign Project. And a really massive thank you to our series sponsors, Staff Savvy and Retail Integration. The Brown Sign Project was edited by Paul Tyler. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Brown Sign Pod. And you can also find us on LinkedIn.